All right. Well, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thank Good. you. Thought maybe just start with some uh, just some simple questions at first. Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up here in Nashville, unlike most musicians in Nashville. Uh, when I do studio work or when I go around town, people say, so man, where are you from? And I'm, I'm from Nashville. They go, whoa, <laughs> you're actually like from that, from, from Nashville? Like, so how long have you been here? And I'm like, no, <laughs> from Nashville. So One I grew up here in Nashville. Very nice, cool. Uh, did, was music a, a big part of your family growing up? Or? Yes. Um, again, uh, maybe I'll put Bruce on the spot. Um, this is just, I want you guys to really take away a vivid picture of what growing up in my house was like musically. And, uh, and my earliest musical memories are going to sleep, uh, hearing in my room, going to sleep, hearing from the den, my grandmother practicing uh, classical music, primarily Chopin. I don't know if you've got anything, uh, <laughs> or, or anything Chopin-like. Right. I would sleep over that. Right. So, <laughs> so that's that's how I fell asleep. Um, that's my earliest musical memory is falling asleep, hearing that kind of music, um, and she'd start maybe I guess it would start ten, eleven. Uh, and go till two or three, and uh, and so that's a lot of uh, a lot of the early beauty that I found in music, I found that way. Um, b besides that, our older brother, our um, being Rasan, is my twin brother. We have an older brother who is a saxophone player, is a saxophone player, um, and he was getting his feet wet in jazz, primarily playing the alto saxophone. So he was always bringing home jazz recordings, uh, and we took an interest in them. And so he would always play recordings, and we'd go hear him play uh, in the jazz bands at college. Um, and that, I think, is how most of my awareness of jazz music, other than uh, my grandmother's record collection, uh, being a pianist, she had everybody that played piano, from Art Tatum, Oscar Peterson, uh, Gene Harris, uh, Earl Garner, Art Tatum. I said Art Tatum already. Um, who else did Granny? Who else, Granny? Who else did you like? Pianists. Uh, yeah, Oscar Peterson. But she listened to some of everybody, and she uh, she also liked. Yeah, she also liked uh, saxophone players. She liked uh, she liked uh, Ben Webster. She liked all of Duke Ellington's music. She loves Count Basie. Um, and I, for me, my first introduction to jazz music was as dance music. And I still love uh, all, pretty much all music that's for dancing. Um, but I love, uh, I love that element that you can find uh, in jazz music uh, from time to time of having a dance, a dance backbone to it. So um, with that, we grew up hearing big bands. We grew up hearing uh, swing. We didn't grow up hearing a lot of Charlie Parker because Granny didn't like Charlie Parker. Mm. Granny said, I mean, his ideas are pretty enough, but his tone. And uh, so, uh, and, and it's just interesting, you know, those sorts of, uh, of generational idiosyncrasies. By the time I started learning jazz, Charlie Parker was like the guy. Um, 
but uh, you have to realize Charlie Parker is a musician that exists in the in the flow of time, and and social taste and, and all of that. So, uh, just like Coltrane, there's some Coltrane that to this day I can't I can't listen to and enjoy, the way I would enjoy some other guys, and that's nothing to take away from what what Coltrane achieved. But we're all we're all us, you know. And there's some there's some train that knocks me out, and there's some train that I'm like, okay, man, all right. <laughs> if you say so, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I suppose so. I suppose I suppose life can be like that. But. So from an early age, you had both jazz and classical music early, early yes, on. Yes, yes. Uh, and I was fortunate in middle school and high school to play in a diverse list of ensembles, from small jazz groups uh, to orchestras, um, and learning for me the the. The best ensemble that I played in uh, was our kitchen ensemble uh, <laughs> that would meet my older brother and Rasan, and we stand around with our backs to the kitchen sink. Uh, we put on a record, um, which most often was One for Daddy-O by Cannonball Adderley, and, uh, and play along and grab little phrases here and there. Um, and I'd try to, try to figure out what key they were in. Um, and that's, you know, ninth, ninth, tenth grade, that kind of stuff. But that's the uh, the best ensemble. I think for me, it was the best ensemble because we had high standards because we were putting on the music of the of the masters, and we had encouraging um, members. And when you have an ensemble with high standards and encouraging band members, that's uh, that's the best ensemble. You grow, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So your gra grandmother was a pianist. Yes. You have two brothers that are saxophone players. Yes. How did you arrive at this thing? Yeah, um, <laughs> I knew um, when I was going to start band, I knew I wanted to play something not a lot of other people played. Um, and for me, uh, being path-oriented and understanding jazz as a personal music, uh, I wanted to find my path. At that time, I found my path through choosing something different uh, because I wasn't old enough to know that you can choose your own way of doing things inside of a popular path. Um, so at that time, I wanted to find my own path and do something different. I had it narrowed down to trombone or oboe. <laughs> and I, uh, I took the oboe home. I, 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 my band director was a military guy who played trombone, and, uh, and I love him to this day. He was encouraging and, and just a wonderful person to work with. His name is Horton Monroe. Um, this was at Meg's, and, uh, and I love him. I hug him every time I see him, because um, he got us on a start um, that allowed us to recognize our, our talents and abilities. And so much of arts education and band education now is to create a homogenous whole, but it doesn't actually, the system doesn't actually reward early talent, you know. So you have talented kids who don't know they're talented and they've been playing five years. Hmm. Um, but Mr. Monroe um, could identify you know, the talented kids and got behind them and pushed them and said, you know, you don't have to wait till the end of the semester to get to the end of the book. Hmm. You know, the book is 30 pages. Um, some kids, you hand them a 30-page book and they go home and finish it if it's something that they love or something that they feel good at. Um, and whereas a lot of what's happening in band is, all right, kids, this week we're on number five. Over the weekend, I want you to look at number six. You know, 
then everybody, it's a very controlled pace, but sometimes controlling, the more you try to control something, the less it grows you actually limit into it. what it's supposed to be, amen? Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, um, so that, my band director was a military guy. I think he thought, well, boys should play the trombone and girls will play the oboe. <laughs> and, um, but he, fortunately for me, he played the trombone. And I remember he had his trombone on the stand in the office. Uh, and he said, uh, he said, well, have you ever played a note on the trombone? And I said, no. And he said, do you, well, do you know how to do it? And I said, no. He said, well, you kind of say the letter M and stop halfway through. And I was like, um. He said, now you blow air between your lips and make them buzz. I was like, um. <laughs> He said, okay, now just do that into the trombone. And it was something like this. <laughs> <laughs> and he had that same response that y'all just had. Um, but, but there was, right. <laughs> Joe says, and then he said, how about the oboe? <laughs> but, but, uh, but that was my first notes on the trombone, and I'd never done that with my, with my embouchure or, or lips. I had, Chops had no idea what they were doing. And I remember it tingled, like they were, because that, that kind of vibration, if you've never done it, you know, it, it, your muscles are going, dude, what did you just try to get us to do? We don't do that. <laughs> and I remember walking down the hallway going, that's cool. <laughs> and from that day on, I've been a trombone player. Nice. So you're talking about your, your middle school band director at Megs. Who are some other music educators that kind of helped in your development as a musician? Um, I've had the good fortune of having great uh, musical educators. Uh, again, I come back to my grandmother who believed that if you couldn't play it right 10 times in a row, you didn't know it yet. And uh, so a lot of my practicing was, okay, play that again. That's three, four, and you get all the way up to nine. And if you miss it at nine, all right, back to one. You know, and uh, and so that uh, that practitioner's backbone more than for me, because a lot of a lot of the early years on trombone are not uh, so rudimental; they're conceptual. And growth, the the learning curve on trombone, uh, while like my brother had been playing six months and he's playing Jingle Bells and Hot Cross Buns and all of that. On the trombone, the learning curve is so slow the first three to four years. And then you start to sound like you could play a trombone. And then three more years, you start to sound like you've been playing trombone three years. In fact, you've been playing seven at this point. And then three or four more years from that, you sound like you might could do this with other musicians in an ensemble at some point. Sound like you had really patient parents. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, but then middle school, Horton Monroe and high school, I had a wonderful, uh, wonderful band director named W.C. Gore. Uh, and Mr. Gore got behind, behind his students and pushed us. We wound up uh, the, the Hume Fogg Jazz Band. We, we really made history in Nashville, honestly. We wound up going to New York City and competing in the final round of the Duke Ellington uh, high school competition at Jazz at Lincoln Center. Um, and I've never met a more passionate instructor than W.C. Gore. Uh, I've never seen anyone throw more varied list of items across a band room. 
at students who, who weren't doing it right. Um, I've never seen someone decide that if students weren't going to be there mentally and show up, hey, he doesn't have to. Um, and in a sense, he taught us that if you come with your A game, you get there. If you don't, don't expect anything. Mm. And, um, and uh, then college, um, a few great instructors, uh, Dave, most notably David Baker, uh, who still teaches um, to this day at Indiana University. My private lessons instructor, uh, Dee Stewart, um, who I studied with uh, along with Jigs Wiggum. Uh, and, uh, and before, even before college, I had a great private lessons teacher named Tom Lundberg. Um, from Tom, I learned regular steady practice and application. Do, do it until you get it, basically. From Dee Stewart, I learned how to learn. How, I, how, how when I'm alone in the practice room, how do I get myself to the, to the next level? Um, and the great, one great thing about Dee, Dee was, had played with the Philadelphia Orchestra. Uh, there's a, the, the current principal trombone of the New York Philharmonic is Joe Alessi. He was one of Dee's students. So <coughs> Dee is solidly grounded in the European orchestral classical tradition. I was solidly grounded in the American jazz tradition. Um, and so we didn't come from the same musical places but Dee knew how to, Dee knew enough about the creative process of learning that he was able to, at times, give me enough instruction to push me out of my comfort zone and also at other times to step back and say, think it through your way. You know, think it through your way. And every now and then I come up with something and he'd go, that was it. What were you thinking? Hmm. And I'd say, well, this is kind of what I was thinking. And he said, I would have never in my life told anybody to think about that. And when you have teachers who can uncover um, your own learning process and hand you the learning process, um, then you're preparing a student to, to be a lifelong learner, which, uh, which is what I think college should do, especially in the arts. Nice, so Dee was primarily uh, a classical teacher for you. Yes. Would you be able to demonstrate anything yeah. that maybe you picked up from him? All right, um, let's see. So we'll start, I'll play a, a bit of a piece uh, that, that I actually uh, introduced Dee to. I had one classical book when I started college. And the first thing, when you show up to your first lesson, Dee hands you like the, the list of 14 etudes, excerpts, and all this. And I was like, whoa, dude. Um, but in the back of this book was, a, was an old French song uh, that I'll play a little bit of, um, as best as I can remember. Thank you. 
So you've kind of paid a little homage to Dee Stewart, one of your classical teachers. Is there uh, one of your jazz professors, perhaps, you'd want to play a little something in memory of? Yeah, that uh, that's an easy choice for me. Um, my real introduction to the jazz trombone um, was through watching uh, watching television. There was a show called Bet on Jazz, and uh, they had a trombonist on the show by the name of Steve Toure. Uh, some of you will know that name, uh, but many of you will not, but you've heard him. And I know you've heard him because he's the house trombonist on the television show Saturday Night Live uh, for about 20 years now. Um, Steve was on that show and um, he played a song going into the credits that I fell in love with uh, and only heard about 20 seconds of it. The first 20 seconds knocked me out and I went and grabbed my horn and picked my horn up and played back what I could remember of it from the trombone part. And I was probably 14, 15 at the time. Um, I was in high school, I would go to college at Indiana University, then I go to Manhattan School of Music where Steve Teray taught private lessons. And so eventually I sit down in a lesson with Steve and I say, Steve, you have to give me a copy of this song. It's, you know, I've had this song with me. He said, yeah, which one is that? And I pull up my horn and I start playing. And he goes, oh, okay, you sound good, sounds good, but uh, you're playing it in the wrong key. And uh, he said, man, I wrote, that, uh, I wrote that in B flat and you're playing it in G minor. And I just sat back in my chair and I was like, man, I can't, I've had this with me, you know, 10 years now, I can't, can't change how I do it now. He said, okay, well, man, play it there, you know. Uh, so we'll play, uh, this is Steve Teray's composition, a beautiful ballad um, entitled The Dripper.
Thank <laughs> you.